All right. So, uh, so Katie, Katie loves going to the beach. I mean, if we've got like, if we've got a free evening or an open Saturday, which feels like a miracle these days, the first thing she says is, hey, hey, what if we go to the beach for dinner? Like, it's the first time she's had that idea. It's like every single time if it's open. That's what she's going to say. And I become the beach donkey, right? Because the kids all want to board a skim board, boogie board, paddle board, surfboard. Their hands are full. Katie's holding the baby, which means it's dad that's got the 57 other things you need to take this many people to the beach. And so every time when she mentions it, I'm like, oh, babe. Like, could we do like, could we do like a park or a pool or maybe like a park and a pool? Like anything other than the beach? Because I just know by the time we get out there, get all the chairs set up, like as soon as I'm ready to sit down, everybody else can be ready to go. I'm going to be worn out. It's going to be stressful. Then every time you go, people watch you set these chairs up. You need some kind of degree. (laughs) The worst thing is when I'm trying to fold them up. Oh, it's just awful. Last time we went to the beach a couple weeks ago and it was one of the dinner runs and, you know, kids run out and, and legit, they get in the water, then they run back in just as I've got the blanket laid out and they run on it with their sandy feet. I'm like, hey, you know, so it's like, I'm stressed. I'm a little frustrated. We start handing the the food out and I'm like, y'all be careful. Oh, you got sand on your fingers. You're going to get sand on your, you know, you know, like. Food is quickly getting ruined. It's just stressful. Then the food becomes like, like ammo for, for seagulls, right? And so they're like, like I'll turn my head and, and one of them's like, you know, throwing food. Then all of a sudden, it's like a seagull family reunion happening around you. And so I'm having all these feelings while we were there for the dinner. And all of a sudden, I feel something. I'm holding my turkey sandwich. I feel something on my head. I'm like... Those birds pooped on my head. You know, like, like I'm the one that didn't want to be here to begin with. Now I got to eat a sandwich with bird poop on my head. You know, like, oh, just so frustrating. So much work every time we go to the beach. Well, as we get ready to kick off this semester, Katie and I met a lot of new couples uh, or folks that were just in a new season looking for a group. And we were like, man, we just need to start a small group. And so I was like, all right, Kate, will you connect with the other ladies? Like, y'all know all the kids' schedules, work schedules, which nights will work or not work, whose houses we could do it at, all the stuff. Why don't y'all connect on text and just let me know? And she was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And so last Saturday, she was like, hey, Jay, tomorrow night is our first small group. I was like, awesome, man, I can't wait. I was looking forward to connecting with the, with the couples. And I was like, Who, whose house are we meeting at? And she said... <laughs> She said, well, I I talked with the girls and we decided that until it gets too cold, we're going to meet out at the beach. (laughs) I'm like, are you punking me right now? Like, is this a joke? (laughs) Are you serious? Right. And so we we get out there, of course, with all this, all the stuff. And one of my buddies comes up. He's got seven kids as well. And they had all the gear, except for he had brought in a guitar and a djembe drum. I was like, well, praise God, I'm not musical. Because if I had to add an instrument to this nonsense, it'd push me over the edge. I'm going to be looking for a men's group (laughs) instead, you know. And so we get out there, and pretty quickly, kids are playing with their friends, making new friends. There's some kids out surfing, which is mildly stressful for me. Nothing will ruin a good small group like a kid being eaten. It's like you play in the shark's house. It's a possibility, you know. It's just stressful. (laughs) 
trying to talk about what I want to see God do in my life constantly, like, oh, Lord, all right, you know. And so kids start playing. Before long, we're there in a circle and talking about what we hope to see God do in our life over the course of the next semester and the season of marriage that we're in and how we feel like we need to grow. And after a little while, uh, buddy pulls out the guitar, starts playing a, a worship song, which would never happen. Like if it was just Josh's small group, I wouldn't be asking who could bring the instrument for family worship time. Uh, but Katie just wants music. And so he pulls out the guitar. One of the kids gets on a djembe drum. A couple of the other kids come around us. And before long, I had this moment of just intense gratitude. So thankful for what I get to be a part of, for what we're modeling for our kids. I'm experiencing the presence of God for myself, hearing a kid's voice, worship, the sun's slowly setting, there's pink in the clouds. And I just realized there is no place on earth I would rather be in that moment. But man, I had to overcome some legit resistance in order for me to get there, you know? Well, my name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I may not get out of this chair. <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> if it's your first time with us, we're so glad you're here. Whether it was online or at a campus here at Mount Pleasant in person, it's Connect Weekend and uh, where we, we do everything we can, a handful of times a year to make it easy and likely for you to take a next step to find community, plug into a small group. Last week, Pastor Greg said, we are a global digital church that just happens to meet in several buildings throughout North and South Carolina. And it's the truth. We have a newcomer Zoom call for those that join us online uh, during the 1130 service on the weekends. And last week, Irene from Indonesia joined us and didn't have a church around her in her area. And she was just blown away that she got to experience the presence of God in worship, get in the word with us, and then was able to stay and join a Zoom call to connect with some of our, our pastors and dream team following the service. So whether you're on the other side of the world, somewhere in the States or at a campus, can you join me in just giving a hand for anybody that might be here for the first time? So glad that you are here. So back to the beach. Are there any areas in your life where you would say you're experiencing resistance? Not, not from outside of you, as in there's someone trying to keep you from going somewhere that you want to go, but resistance on the inside. Maybe some things that you feel like you need to do, ought to do, maybe should do. And it's just a struggle for you to make it happen, a struggle for you to show up right with a happy heart and do it. For some of you, maybe it's in regards to your diet. My wife wants me to be gluten-free so bad. One of our daughters is, and it did away with all of her stomach issues and her skin just glows and she's so beautiful. And like, I've tried it and, and like, I really, I like cauliflower pizza. That's pretty good. <laughs> Last night I had cashew queso. And I'm just thinking like, if you want nuts, have nuts. If you're going to eat queso, eat queso, but don't try to, don't try to bring those two. <laughs> together you know I should probably do as she's telling me it would probably help but I just struggle to take the step every day on the way home I have to drive by Jack's Cosmic Dogs and if I'm on a call I'll pull in the parking lot to wrap up my call and I want to be a good patron not just take advantage of their land so I'll go in and grab a snack <laughs> for the way home you know Maybe for some of you, it's, it's getting in shape, starting to work out. You're going to walk around the neighborhood, ride a bike, go on a run, go to the gym. You hit it up for a couple days, but then a kid gets sick or you travel or you have a deadline 
or a game comes on. It's like, you don't know. You're just searching for an excuse not to go, but any of them will do, all right? But it can be hard when you're not going with someone else to encourage you, inspire you, help hold you accountable. Man, we all experience resistance in some form. And today, I want to talk about an area of resistance that, that we all share in some capacity, but it also happens to be a value that we all share, and that's of community. The reason that you show up here at Seacoast, that you call it your church, of all the places that you could be, that you become a part of the family of God here, worshiping side by side with people you may not know at all, seeing friends and high-fiving in breezeways and participating in the chat online is because you value community. All of us coming together and going after God together. But the four, five, six times a year, we start talking about taking another step and experiencing life in a small group, prioritizing your life around people. Here's what I know. Of a group this size here and online, at least 55% of you are introverted. So we start showing videos and talking about like, go to somebody's house, talk about your feelings, process the word together. And you're like, screw. I'm good, man. <laughs> like, I'm going to dip out the side during response time. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and log off because I'm all right, you know? But even if it's not a, a wiring issue or, or thing for you, some of your, your lives look just like mine. It's like, man, life is busy. We've got seven kids. There's always a sports game or a project or something to make or a bottom to spank or clothes to wash. So my, and even if you don't have kids, Right, you've got deadlines, you've got bills to pay, you've got a house to clean, you've got dishes to do, toilets to clean, like all kind of stuff to do. You might be a student, right? Maybe you're graduating from college, you're starting a job, or you're moving to go to college, or you're in high school. Man, my eighth grader and senior work more. They'll, they'll get home from school, do their sport, and then they'll stay up till like midnight, one in the morning. I'm like, dear God, we stop doing homework. Like, just go to bed, right? Don't tell your teacher. I'll tell them, but this, this is just crazy. Does anybody feel that kind of pace and, and stress and responsibility in your life? Man, we all got stuff going on. <laughs> Somebody's clapping for that. <laughs> I don't know what that was for. Anyway, all right, so we all feel that way, right? So you start talking about putting one more thing on the calendar, hanging out with some people that you're not already friends with in some capacity, and they can just feel heavy. There's resistance that comes, but biblically, you look all through Scripture, there's benefit that God has for us in our lives. There's blessing if we will take a step into community beyond just sitting here shoulder and shoulder, but really prioritizing or orienting our lives around experiencing them with a tribe of people. There's blessing and benefit that comes from that. Last week, Pastor Greg's message was titled, Why Church? He gave us vision for why we ought not give up meeting together and really prioritizing this time and this space. And I titled today's message, Why Community? I want you to have a picture in your mind that God might develop some conviction around it, that you would actually go after experiencing life and community. So what are some of the benefits? The first of which, so when I take the step, when I really get plugged in, I'll experience sharpening in my struggles, sharpening in my struggles. If we were to go out to coffee and I were to ask you like, hey, talk to me about your life right now, your marriage, parenting, work, just life in general. Are there any areas where you would say, bro, the struggle is real? I mean, we all ride the struggle bus from time to time, whether it's in our, our marriage, just issues that it feels like you, you keep circling the wagon on, you can't quite actually get resolved or work through. 
with our kids. It can feel like there's something new every day. You don't quite know what to do. At work, you have issues with your, with your boss. You drive home thinking about it with coworkers. There's just tension. You got to go home, do the work of home, then show up the next day and, and have all the same issues there. From time to time, we are all going to ride the struggle bus. And at times, it can be easy for us to look at those issues, kind of pull back from them and be able to talk about them. But at other times, we're so busy working and grinding and just trying to get through the day that if we're ever going to grow through them and not just get through them, we need someone from outside of us that's close enough to us consistently that can look at our lives and say, bro, what are you doing? You know, like there, there's a better way. One of the best examples of this comes from Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 24. A guy named Moses, you're probably familiar with. God used him to lead the children of Israel out of captivity. The, the Red Sea parted, just this epic guy that God had used in big ways. Well, now they've been released from captivity. Moses is getting up to go to work one day, and his father-in-law Jethro is there. Apparently, it's take your father-in-law with you to work day. And here's what happens for Moses. It says, The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and all these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And that's a word for all of us today. Whether you're a student or a stay-at-home mom or a business owner or a truck driver, if you're brand new to church or if you've been coming for a long time, we need to know the expectation from God on our lives isn't that we would hustle and learn and figure it out to a degree where we could shoulder this thing on our own. The work is too heavy for us to do alone. He says, now listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach him his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. This will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. And like, man, that is the vision. All of us are going to experience struggle. But at the end of the day, I want to stand the strain. I want to stand up under the struggle that I experience and know that myself and all those I serve can go home satisfied. It says Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said, now what's interesting about this passage is that scripture tells us Moses lived 120 years and, and then passed away. And we know that he was 80 years old when he led the nation of Israel out of captivity. And most scholars believe that this conversation with, with Moses and Jethro happened sometime between him being 80 and 90 years old. Now, all of us expect to struggle at some point in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. In your 20s, man, a lot of people are are getting married, they're having a child, they're starting the first job, buying their first house. 
trying to figure out how adult and do life, like good luck with that, you know? It is beautiful and awesome and such a gift, but you're expected to struggle. You work hard in your 20s, you get to your 30s, you know yourself a little better, feel like you've got some momentum, but maybe you haven't settled yet. You move across the country, you go through some tension in marriage. Turns out your kids are buck wild, welcome to the club. You know, it's like you expect struggle in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, but the lie that we believe, like what keeps me moving forward is just this thought that one day I'm gonna learn enough, earn enough, have worked long enough, been through enough, that I'm not going to struggle quite as much, right? But here we got Moses, the man of God. He's used in incredible ways in his 80s, showing up to his everyday job, still riding the struggle bus, needing someone from the outside to look in and say, Moses, bro, what you are doing is not good. And this isn't Moses Jethro having a 2017 conversation where Jethro says, Moses, listen, I've been doing some reading little dabbling and investing, and I want you to consider Bitcoin. Think it would bless your wife and the kids. You know, like, he's looking at what he's doing, saying, you got to overhaul this whole system. The stuff that maybe has satisfied you that you've given yourself to from sunup to sundown, you got to do it totally different. You got to delegate. You need to invest in some other people and let them carry this weight with you. So my question for you is, do you have anyone in your life like a Jethro? Is there anyone who is close enough to you consistently that walks with you to a degree that they could look at your life and most importantly has the courage to tell you some of the things that you don't see about yourself. Folks that would help you see maybe some things that you don't see. And then perhaps the bigger question, if you would say, yes, I do, is are you willing to do the things that they tell you? One of the things that's just so powerful powerful for me about this text is the last First, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that God, everything that he had told him. He received the counsel being, you can imagine the pride he must have had, could have had as God's man that he had done all these things through at 80 years old, like to still humble himself, be teachable and say, you know what? You're right. I'll do everything as you have said. But ultimately it brought about blessing in his life. It brought about sharpening for him in the midst of the struggle. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And what's powerful about that text is that in sharpening iron, if you get iron of two different textures to rub together, they sharpen each other better and faster than two blades that were exactly the same. So it is with people. All of us are different. Man, you get two people with a different perspective, season of life, life experience, passions, You let them go after God together, and man, the sharpening is going to happen better and faster than it ever would have alone. It's not a matter of if you're going to go through struggles, but when are you going to go through them? And more importantly, how will you emerge from them? If you will prioritize community, you'll not only get through struggle, but you'll grow through struggle. So the first benefit is that we're sharpened. I get sharpening in my struggles. The second benefit is I get a tribe in my troubles a tribe in my troubles. Jesus said, in this world, you might have trouble. (laughs) That's not what he said. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a promised reality in all of our lives. But he said, but take heart, but be encouraged. Have courage for I have overcome the world. Because he is in us, because we are in him, because he has overcome, we too will overcome in all of our trouble. Man, that's good news for each of us. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, the other can help them up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Man, there are going to be times where we get knocked on our butt and and just feel like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get up. And the unique thing about trouble is that there's times where we, we bring it on ourselves, either because of poor decisions that we make or people that we hang with or struggles that we have. And there's times where trouble seems to find us all on its own. But regardless of how you found yourself in that situation, that's when we need a tribe to come for us. The, the hardest time for you to find a tribe is when you're desperately in need of one, which is largely why we do these weekends, to create opportunities for you to take a next step, to join a small group, to prioritize some of those relationships so that when trouble comes, man, there is a tribe there that is going after you. One of the best pictures of that comes from Genesis chapter 14, verses 14 through 16. It's a story of, of Lot and Abram, two guys that are related. Lot is Abram's nephew. They move to a new region and they separate a little bit to give themselves some space and some land. And there comes a point where these four kings have all allied themselves with one another and they raid Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, also capturing and taking Lot and all of his possessions and kids. And Abram hears about it and here's what happens. In verse 14, it says, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born of his household. Y'all thought the Walters had a lot of kids, <laughs> 318 trained men, <laughs> and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all of the goods and brought back his relative lot and possessions together with all of the other men and children. I'm like, man, he pulled like a backyard Braveheart. Is that the coolest story? <laughs> like, you got a brother in trouble? Hey, it's go time, you know? Part of me would just love to be a part of something like that. What an epic story. Well, what's unique to this story is that Lot had largely brought this trouble on himself. But at no point in the story do we see Abram evaluate whether or not he's going to show up and help because the culture of Abram's household is supposed to be a picture that resembles the culture of God's church today. That when you've chosen to worship here, to make this place your family, and you say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of the family of God, the body of Christ here, not only are you a seacoaster, but you're a brother and a sister in Christ. And when times of trouble comes, we roll deep and we will come for you. You know, when waters flood in Conway, Joel Christie is going to rally the disaster relief team. He's going to put the stuff in his truck. He's going to get the trailer and a crew is going to drive to Conway to help you demo your house and your neighbor's house so that they would know that there's a family in town that loves them, a people where they can find a tribe. When crap hits the fan in Irmo, you need to know Pastor Brian is going to rally the troops and he will come for you. And he is scary and saved and from Jersey. Like there's no telling <laughs> what will happen, okay? That's the nature of who God's called us to be. That we wouldn't be a people that have to wonder how you're doing, but we would be our brother's keeper, that we would have each other's back, that we would come for each other in times of trouble. Man, I've got so many testimonies of how this church has been a tribe for me in times of trouble. The week Katie and I moved in, it was the week of Christmas. Our marriage was busted. I did not have a single friend in Charleston. We moved here as a Hail Mary of God, please save us. Please save us. We show up nine o'clock on a Sunday night, the week of Christmas, and there was a men's group at our house 
My father-in-law was in a men's group here, said, hey, my daughter and son-in-law are moving here. They're in a tough spot. Can we show up and help them unload? And they unloaded in two hours, what took me two days to pack. We had been here a couple weeks and the sale of our home in Columbia fell through. And I still hadn't found a job. I was scrapping, trying to find odd jobs, doing anything I could to make money while trying to work on our, our marriage. And people here at Seacoast that give above and beyond the tithe for the Acts 4 fund. I applied for it and the church helped me pay my bills while we were in transition. So that wasn't an added weight on us. I remember when we brought home a, a baby from the NICU. Um, a lot of our kids were born five, six weeks early, and we'd spend some time in the NICU. We'd get home, and one of the babies was real sick. It was the middle of the night. There was one 24-hour pharmacy, and Laura Broach drives from North Mount Pleasant all the way to West Ashley to pick up a prescription and come back and, and help us. While Katie's helping the baby and I'm helping Katie, the church was showing up for me. Man, over and over and over, so many examples of the church showing up for me in times of trouble. It's a promised reality in all of our lives. What's unique in this passage is that in biblical times, if your family didn't show up for you, if your family, your tribe didn't come in times of trouble, no one else was. We live in a culture that gives an illusion of security in a lot of ways. Uh, you have the right to bear arms. There's the ability, the, the freedom for you to protect yourself. If someone broke in your house, you could, you could pick up your phone and call the police and they would, they would rush and bring some measure of, of safety. If your house caught on fire, you could call the fire department. They would rush into danger and, and put the fire out. If you had a medical emergency, EMS would show up at the house quick and bring some life-saving measures. But in each of those cases, if you were protecting yourself, there'd come a point where you would run out of ammo. Right? If, if the police came and somebody had broken in, they would take them off, but you would be left there scared. If your house burned up, there would come a point after the fire was put out where they would leave. Where, where are you going to sleep? Right? In each of these examples, there comes a point where you're back to yourself all alone that it's important for you to know in times of trouble, God's church is the only unstoppable tribe to show up for you, to fight for you, to be there for you. I hope you feel that. Because some of you don't feel like you have that right now. There's places where you feel alone. There's places where you're hurting. There's pain that you're walking in here carrying every weekend. And just like Jethro told Moses, man, a burden shared is a burden lightened. It's not a burden to carry those things, those things with you. It's God's vision for his church. It's why we're here. So the first benefit is sharpening in my struggle, a tribe in my troubles. And number three, provision in my pain. Provision in my pain. My wife runs a business called Francis and Benedict, and they hand make uh, skirts out of African wax print by widows and single moms in Togo, West Africa, designed for American women. And then we, we bring them home here, sell it, and the proceeds go back to them. Well, over the last couple of years, as prices have been increasing and everything, we said, hey, why don't we bring the skirts into our home, kind of convert our playroom into a place where we can steam bag and tag the skirts. Kids can help. It'll be kind of exposure to mission. It'll be awesome. Sounds like a great idea until you got 6,000 skirts in your playroom, right? <laughs> and you want to punch yourself in the throat every time you see it, right? 
So this past week, a good friend of ours, Charlie McGurdy, came over to help Katie work in the playroom. Steam, bag, and tag. Ladies come over and help her periodically. And Charlie's done that throughout the years, just shown up to, to serve and bless us. While she's there, she loves animals. She serves at veterinary places, and she notices our golden doodle, who's like a dream dog, scratching at her ear. We're like, oh, man, she always has ear infections. And so Charlie stopped with the skirts and showed Katie how to get all up in the ear, clean it out ways we may be able to help prevent the ear infection. So she'd been there for a while. They go to leave, and we're walking through the kitchen, and, and Charlie tells Katie, like, man, Katie, that's a nice refrigerator. And Katie looks at it, and she says, Charlie, you, you brought me that refrigerator. <laughs> she was like, what? She's like, yeah, six years ago. We moved Josh's dad and mom and sister and 90-year-old grandma into our house as my dad was about to pass away, and there came a two-week window where our refrigerator, dishwasher, and washing machine all broke. You talk about pain. <laughs> it's like, it was straight up spiritual warfare awful. And, and Brent and Charlie said, hey, listen, don't worry about the refrigerator. Just go to Lowe's and pick one out. We'll, we'll replace it for you. Over and over and over, over the last 15 years at Seacoast, before I was a pastor, didn't have anything to do with me being a pastor. In fact, when we showed up at Seacoast in our place of pain, our path for connection, the church was doing a big Easter production, and they were looking for somebody to play Satan. And I used to be a pastor in Columbia, and they knew I was unemployed, and they say, hey, if you would shave your head, wear this leather skirt, let us airbrush you, you might fit the bill, right? It's like, and all we're asking you to do is go to the Connect Center, right? Like, none of that, right? Over and over, long before I was on staff here, Charlie was a faithful friend, and Brent, showing up to bring about provision with their time, with their knowledge, with their resources. And it's what God has called us to be as a church family. When is the last time that you experience pain? Each of us are going to. Oftentimes, when we think about provision, we just think monetary. We think resource. And there's times where, where trouble brings a tribe, and we need people to fight for us. But oftentimes... Trouble brings with it pain. And we need people to walk with us that we might experience compassion, the grace of God, the heart of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Meanings and moments of pain, there's a supernatural transfer. As we receive comfort from God, it then equips us to walk with people and share with them the comfort and encouragement that God has brought about to us. Check out Tabitha's story. I have sickle cell anemia. It's a genetic blood disorder, and it can be very unpredictable because it causes so much damage. It does lead to some intense uncertainty. My red blood cells only last 10 days, whereas people's last 120 days. It causes bouts of intense pain. It can cause a lot of damage with like your bones and your organs and stuff like that. As I get, got older and started realizing like, I don't know how life is gonna turn out, how this is gonna happen. It can cause some intense anxiety and that anxiety made me feel like I had to figure things out myself, which isolated me from God. It was honestly pretty lonely. Um, like, I wasn't confident in going to anybody for help or um, 
for like encouragement. So it, yeah, it was kind of lonely. I was so focused on doing it myself. I couldn't. I tried everything and it just didn't work. I was lost pretty much. Like I didn't know like where to go because church was my foundation. God and Christ were my foundation. And because I walked away from that, like things just start snowballing. You know how you just lose focus and you're not paying attention and the little things that you could handle start becoming bigger things. When you're in that and you know where to go, like you see that little lighthouse in the background and you're like, okay, I, 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 I know where to go. Like that helps. Instead of me being stuck in the same spot, I was like, this has to change. So I started coming back to church, got on the dream team, found my small group. <laughs> and um, you guys have helped me really stay balanced and make sure like I stay balanced. I was so excited because I knew today was Tuesday and I can come and tell you guys and you guys would like just tell me like an encouraging word and that would like reestablish in me that I'm on the right path. Like I'm not focusing too much on what happened in the future, what happened in the past. Like I can stay in today and know that God is in control. I celebrate to have the story sharing with us. One of the things that uh, I couldn't help but think when I saw that video is uh, one of the teams that I get to work closely with here at Seacoast is the digital team. And she started attending online with the, the digital online experience in 2020. And when she finally came back, started serving with us. And now I'll, I'll see her in the online suite just about every weekend. And I had no idea the pain that she lived with and was walking through, nor the comfort that her small group had brought into her. And it just made me think, man, I wonder how many people are sitting shoulder to shoulder with somebody in a building or attending online every week, walking through and experiencing pain that no one else knows about. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I've heard it said, what if the greatest enemy to the life that you've always wanted is the life that you're living? What if you're uh, an unwillingness or a resistance on your part to orient your life around these people, folks who share the same values as you, folks that are going after God, not people who are perfect by any means, but people who are in, in progress, who are growing in their faith, who are going after God. What if your willingness to orient your life around them, to overcome the resistance that's within you, to take a step into community would be the very thing that God would use to sharpen you in your struggle, to bring about a tribe in your trouble and to bring about provision in your pain. Man, God has it for you. He wants it for you. But we've got to take a step and commit. We've got to take a step to experience life together. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for this weekend. I thank you for this church family. God, that of all the times in history, of all the places in the world, you chose this place and this time for us to experience you together. And I know that there's people here today in person and online that if we were to have an honest conversation, they would say, man, I'm hurting. Man, I'm struggling. Man, I feel alone. And God, I know that is not your heart for any one of us. So give us the courage today to take a step. And as we do, God, I pray for divine relationships, that we would meet that guy that feels like a brother, that we would meet that girl that is a bestie, that you would just bring about relationship to strengthen, sharpen, and encourage each of us. Be with us today as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, if you're new here to Seacoast, I want to encourage you, stick around for just a few minutes. Our worship team is going to come back up and lead us in two songs. And the questions I want you to consider is, God, what are you saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And one of my favorite things about Seacoast is that it's a place where you can belong before you believe meaning you can join a small group, you can find a tribe, you can experience the benefits and blessings of the body of Christ, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey as you're seeking him. That said, it's important every time that we gather that you have an opportunity to make a decision. And I know for some of you, you feel God pressing in on your heart right now. You've learned about him, or maybe you've come to the end of your rope and you're taking a step towards him. And today, all that looks like is you praying a simple prayer in your heart. God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. And I want to receive that free gift for myself. I'm tired of trying on my own. I'm tired of going my own way. I want to give my life to you. You pray that prayer in your own words. And then I want to invite you to text connect to 320-320 and let me know about it. I want to follow up with you this week. I want to celebrate that decision. Hear some of your stories believing God's going to move in your life. For others, I'm praying that the best step, the best way that you could respond today doesn't happen in this room. But as you leave out in the breezeway, that you'd overcome the resistance within you and take a step to get plugged into a group. Maybe you're going to go talk to a small group leader at one one of the tables. For others today, as you leave, maybe you came in on the struggle bus. You came in carrying some pain that God's inviting you to leave with him. You might walk out with the exact same circumstances. But emotionally, you can experience peace because he's with you in your trouble. You could go to a cross, write that stuff on a sheet of paper, just pin it there and leave it to him. We'll sing and go after God, give of our offerings generously. What is he saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Let's respond together.